I'm your host, Brad Alvarez, and welcome back to another episode of the Senior Living Concepts Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to cover America's first massive retirement community. The 1960s master planned community of Sun City, Arizona, has its fingerprints all over the modern senior housing industry. Established in 1960, Sun City sought to right the wrongs of the few existing retirement communities while also proving the viability of elders living so separately from their adult children. So let's dive right in. Before I explore the Sun City community, this innovative concept, or the Dell Webb Construction Company, it's imperative that I talk a little bit about Dell Webb himself, the main man behind the project, and the name you'll hear constantly throughout this episode. Del Webb was born in Fresno, California to modest means. His father ran a sand and gravel company, but went bankrupt when Del was just 14 years old. Young Del had no choice but to drop out of high school his freshman year to help support the family. He earned money as a carpenter and by playing semi-pro baseball on the side. About 10 years into this career, Webb came down with typhoid fever, and his 6'3 frame was down to just 95 pounds. The doctor encouraged him to move to a warm, dry climate, so he settled on Arizona. He recovered and began taking on construction projects as a contractor before growing his company at a ridiculous pace. He went from building grocery stores and homes to casinos, all the way up to stadiums like Madison Square Garden, university buildings at Arizona State University, and several major military campuses, including a 17,000-person Japanese-American internment camp. Webb was already an incredibly accomplished developer, sometimes profiting through questionable and unjust means like with the Poston War Relocation Center. That said, he was always on the lookout for his next big opportunity. I doubt he expected to find it in his backyard. Webb first learned of the concept of active retirement housing when he watched a television program highlighting Youngtown. That's right, the first retirement community in the U.S. was named Youngtown. You gotta love it. So this development north of Phoenix consisted of 125 homes and a single store, all dedicated to older adults. Webb saw small-scale proof-of-concept for older adult housing, and he began to scheme of a scalable model. Despite the early success of Youngtown, this concept of a separate community for older adults was revolutionary at the time. Geriatric specialists insisted that the elderly should not be separated from their families. Businessmen feared that resident attrition rates would be too high and that it would take too long for new people to join the community. Furthermore, developers believed that ignoring a majority of the housing market to target the niche elderly population was ludicrous. The concerns were certainly worthy of consideration, but all inklings of doubt stemmed from folks younger than the prospective residents. The opinions of older adults had not been solicited directly, and Webb craved research to confirm his suspicions of an unmet market opportunity. His team traveled to Florida, where empty nesters had flocked to new active retirement communities seeking independence and tranquility. His team repeatedly heard that, quote, people love their grandchildren, but didn't want to raise somebody else's children. However, once these early Florida developers confirmed all sales, they pulled out of projects entirely. Suddenly, what was supposed to be a retirement mecca full of activity became an incomplete swampland trap lacking resale value. 
Webb knew that with his team's development expertise, they could surely do bigger and better. They would add in the amenities that Youngtown skimped on because they were short on capital. In fact, they'd especially prioritize formalized activities due to the new activity theory, which indicated that staying active was crucial to successful aging. Webb spoke to the Urban Land Institute, as well as academics, and they all reiterated that after the first wave of residents, net absorption would perpetually be negative after the early rush. Essentially, old folks would die faster than they could resell the units. Del Webb ignored these experts because he saw the success of Youngtown and Floridian trailer parks and knew they were onto something. Three of the company's top guys formulated a game plan that borrowed the basics from Youngtown but added Del Webb's building expertise and the activities component that was so prominently featured in Florida. To offset the negative reputation that older adult housing was gaining from southeastern stamps, Webb knew that they'd have to build everything out before selling. They'd incur extra risk by building up front without guarantee of interested buyers. At the same time, there was an inclination to roll the dice and go big or go home. It wasn't just because Webb was confident in his abilities to succeed and sell out. It was because Webb was confident they'd sell out and then need to expand. You see, if they didn't build big enough and later wanted to expand, the neighboring plots of land would be a lot more difficult to purchase. Del Webb would have no leverage since the community would be locked into a location. This factored into them wanting to build deeper into the desert where they could buy a ton of land. Webb strove to build a community in the greater Phoenix area, but struggled to find enough land for sale. He ultimately struck up a unique deal to purchase 10,000 acres from a rancher named Boswell on the outskirts of town. However, Webb did not need so much land at once, and Boswell could still profit from farming that land. They agreed to annual payments at a fixed price, where Webb would give six months notice before slowly claiming parcels of the land. Boswell could continue farming in return for Webb paying property taxes. Webb's expertise was in striking mutually beneficial partnerships. Actively prevented future disputes by aligning Boswell's interests further, with Boswell becoming a 49% partner in return for his flexibility and discounted land price. In another instance, Webb achieved a mutually beneficial partnership when he sacrificed guaranteed income for potential upside. Webb partnered with the Safeway supermarket chain because Webb needed a supermarket in his desert town for the development to work. Initially, Safeway was skeptical of Webb's ability to provide customers, since the community wasn't even completed and there was no guarantee of residents. It was a catch-22. The residents wouldn't come without a supermarket, but the supermarket wouldn't come without residents. Webb ultimately allowed the supermarket brand to join rent-free while granting Webb a percentage of sales. It was a win-win for Webb, as he needed infrastructure, supermarket included, to attract residents. Webb's success also supports the notion that builders should avoid overcomplicating an innovative product offering. As such, Webb prioritized standardization to assure both speed and quality in building homes. All Sun City homes, mixed across five floor plans, were one story tall. This helped fit the standards for universal design principles, because mobility in the community was and remains accessible. Five models, the only customizable options were the kitchen and restroom color schemes, which were each limited to three colors. When they began marketing, 
They knew some scams in Florida had raised concerns regarding these types of developments. For this reason, Sun City used Del Webb's name everywhere. He was a big name and the owner of the New York Yankees, who had won countless World Series championships during that period, including five straight World Series at the start of the decade. By connecting Webb's name, buyers knew that this was a legitimate operation. Interesting still, because even in the early stages of the project, Webb apparently questioned his guys if they knew what they were doing. Folks trusted the Webb name, but he had some uncertainty about the project himself. Webb's team optimistically hoped for 10,000 visitors to come explore the new community during the opening weekend. Upon arrival, Webb's hands were full. 100,000 visitors toured Sun City during the opening weekend alone. On the first day, actual sales conversions were unimpressive. However, the frenzied day one activity sparked a two-day frenzy as prospects feared losing a coveted spot. 237 homes were sold in the first weekend, totaling over $2.5 million. Nearly 200 more sold during the rest of the month. Whereas Youngstown priced under $7,000 per home, Del Webb priced from $7,500 to $12,500. Prices were higher than that of their neighbors, but still well below the national median home price of $50,000. On top of this, a monthly fee would then cover the activities and the landscaping. Although Webb didn't customize the homes to the residents, he did customize his message to different media outlets. Del Webb was a master of utilizing free publicity to promote Sun City as the best in the business. I found a particular quote from a paper in the 60s that greatly summarizes Sun City's history of major media exposure. Story begins by asking, how famous is Sun City? The most famous retirement community, planned community, resort retirement community in America? Take your pick. Name any other such town featured by virtually every major magazine in America, network television, thousands of newspapers. They achieved fame by appealing to the unique angles and narratives of each grouping. After all, no media outlet wanted to highlight the same features about the same innovative planned community in Arizona. Groups sought unique angles, and Webb was sure to provide them. For instance, they encouraged Life magazine to set up scenes near the pool to cover the lounging nature of the recreation centers. Sun City landed a National Geographic feature by selling them on covering the beautiful desert landscape. ABC had a series covering interesting American towns, and Sun City was an easy fix for that too. Actor Robert Preston did an hour-long interview on national television, staged largely in a Sun City pool with the reporter kneeling adjacent poolside. Webb even made a few features on national radio programs to further spread and control the message he was delivering to the American people. Most notably, Del Webb was featured on the cover of Time magazine in 1962. All of these examples are emblematic of Del Webb's unique knack for marketing a concept that was still foreign to many. Webb proves the importance of utilizing free press to augment interest. This suggestion remains applicable today, despite notable changes to the senior living marketing approach. With countless more information sources due to the internet's widespread adoption, few media outlets offer that same marketing penetration as 1960s television, in which stations merely competed with each other. In modern times, the immense volume of news coverage provides many opportunities for coverage. It shouldn't be a surprise that Webb knew how to leverage these marketing channels. After all, he crowdsourced the company's name in a marketing campaign. 
He took out full paper ads and billboards, explaining the concept and asking for names. One such billboard shows a woman by the pool on the left side, a man golfing on the right, and in the middle it just states, quote, Fractive Retirement, Dell Webbs, dot, 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 and then a giant question mark where you'd expect a name. In the full page ad, the winner was guaranteed a hefty check and a new home if they came up with the winning name. Dell Webb's team received countless submissions, and an ad agency was working in tandem with Dell Webb's men. Webb glanced at the list early in the process, commented that he liked Sun City, and left the room for them to decide. The ad agency started to discuss all the options and weigh them against each other, and then Dell Webb's team interrupted them and said, What are you doing? The boss likes Sun City, let's go home. And just like that, Sun City was the name. Webb needed to use astute marketing tactics for a couple to even just visit the community. The second battle was getting a couple to picture themselves in a setting unlike anything they had ever known. Telling his sales team that they weren't selling homes, Sun City was a lifestyle. This was reflected in the local marketing and handouts. To stress how innovative this concept was, the initial brochures included a full page titled The Philosophy of Retirement. Folks were previously condemned to a spare bedroom at their kids' homes. Now, they were gaining their independence back. Every salesperson was equipped with a binder full of double-sided, laminated information graphics for each model. Marketing materials maximized space to help an individual visualize the homeliness of each dwelling. The top of the sheet showed an artist's low-angle, colored and shaded sketch of the home. The angle played up the size while remaining accurate. And the early versions subtly highlighted the white. Delweb appeared to view happy wives as the keystone in convincing men to sign. Written descriptions highlighted woman-dominated components, such as floral possibilities and the cheerfulness of the kitchen. In fact, the opening line of one larger option refers to that model as the gardener's dream. The description continues by claiming, quote, Like all homes in the community, it offers plenty of space for all your favorite flowers, but this one adds a large lanai and front planner as extra inspiration for imaginative planting. One criticism of Sun City was the lack of diversity. There's a story of a salesperson going to sell to an African-American woman, but then calling the potential neighbor to ask if they wanted to switch lots. The woman never moved in, but it says a lot. Despite Webb's questionable history as a builder of a prominent Japanese internment camp, I haven't been able to dig up any proof of his racism towards the African-American community. But again, they faced some resident-induced issues as the early movers would intimidate minority prospects on their tours. Sun City and the others were aware, and they finally began to combat this by featuring African-Americans prominently in their advertisements to prevent the group from becoming even more homogenous. Now again, Webb's team was selling a unique culture and a way of life. Sun City was a gold mine, but they continued to tweak and add features to remain relevant and more accurately reflect the culture. Though activities sprung up naturally, such as lawn bowling games and an amateur radio station, Webb figured sales would improve with more big-time cultural opportunities. He supported the Sun City Symphony Orchestra. Webb became the primary funder for the Sun Bowl, a music venue that attracted major performers to the area. Then, he funded a spring training home for the Milwaukee Brewers right there in Sun City. When they left, he sponsored the Sun City Saints softball team and even brought in teams of retired MLB greats 
to partake in softball scrimmages. Today, prime property for a senior community is frequently located near a hospital. Joe Webb needed 10,000 acres of land in the middle of nowhere, which left him without the luxury of building near a medical facility. Ultimately, they realized current residents would appreciate a hospital, and the proximity to a hospital could double as a major selling point. Del Webb's company smartly donated the land and provided initial funds, knowing they could structure the gift as a matching program. The community enthusiastically donated to the cause. The hospital soon became yet another selling point for Sun City. Del Webb had another interesting recruiting strategy up his sleeve by forming state societies, or essentially clubs for people from different states. This was borrowed from tourism strategies used in snowbird cities like 1920s St. Petersburg, Florida. In St. Petersburg, they would have groups like an Illinois society to help others acclimate and encourage more of their friends from back home to visit. Because of this, you'd have congregations of people from the same place. The PR component was that they would then photograph that couple that moved south, mail it to their hometown's paper, and inevitably receive free press because of it. It shows that there's no need to reinvent the wheel. The initial snowbird cities borrowed this marketing strategy from early 20th century tourism agencies, and then Del Webb plucked it from the snowbird cities. The layer by targeting those in states with high income taxes. Long after developers like Del Webb reached build out and left, the state societies they created persisted as an ongoing characteristic of the snowbird lifestyle. People who might not reach out to their neighbors in their home state would seek them out on this foreign terrain. An interesting design quirk is that Sun City was the first to offer moderately priced homes adjacent to a golf course. The golf influence is prominent throughout Sun City. Golf courts and roads designed for them, streets named after famous golfers, and frequent visits to the golf course from celebrities like Bob Hope coming to see his good friend Del Webb. He made this luxurious lifestyle available for an everyday man. In fact, Webb is quoted saying that he was selling to the guy who worked in Chicago at the power company, or in Oshkosh for the railroad, or in Detroit for GM, who never had the country club lifestyle before. The head of marketing, for his part, said they were selling to, quote, retirees willing to move 200 miles from their hometown. Webb's development coincided perfectly with market factors. Longevity was increasing due to improvements in medical practice, meaning that the quantity of older adults was healthily growing. Furthermore, widespread programs such as Social Security and greater company profit sharing helped potential residents afford the new development. Sun City is a crucial case study for any potential developer or operator because they laid the foundation for the entire modern concept of senior housing. The lessons remain relevant today. For instance, Webb mastered the importance of simple, intentional design. Webb standardized units for efficiency, which meant that all homes had to be wheelchair-friendly. As a result, Webb abided by the principles of universal design. Modern principles can follow this approach to ensure smooth transition for residents as their acuity changes. Speaking of acuity and age, how is this all even legal to restrict homes by age? Well, it wasn't technically. So the residents enforced this all on their own. At one point in the early days, there were actually three children living in all of Sun City. The AC repairman had so much business that he just moved to Sun City with his little ones in tow. When a school bus came to pick them up one day, the residents were up in arms threatening the family. None were shocked when he left town.
last remaining kid in town was the doctor's grandkid. Most made an exception, but a few still protested vehemently. They didn't want to blur the lines in this childless paradise. One day, the wife of a lead protester had a heart attack, and guess who saves her? That's right, the little boy's grandpa, the doctor. The heart attack survivor and her husband quickly changed their minds on the subject, and the whole issue went away. Sun City naturally had a lot of imitators, some of which were inspired by Sun City, and others who blatantly copied it. One such imitator even came from within. A former exec left and spun off his own version. A common theme amongst the imitators was trying to increase the quality of homes and bump up the average rent. Many of these were still based around Arizona. But the thing is, everybody was doing it. In fact, Del Webb was basically copying and pasting the idea himself as they recreated the exact same thing across the U.S. He used the exact same street designs, he used the same house designs, he even used the same street names across the country. The city remains relevant by inspiring so many early players to build big and to creatively use media attention in their favor. Sun City mastered the marketing component by becoming seemingly ubiquitous and constantly being referred to in major publications and broadcasts. Sun City was incredibly ahead of its time. The community was so successful that it ultimately spurned copycats across the nation. Sun City became the golden standard of active retirement, and it's all because they used a combination of intentional design features, brilliant marketing strategies, and mutually beneficial partnerships. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining, and stay tuned as I continue to explore interesting concepts in aging services. Thank you.